0: Not just a belief of mine it's a real knowing knowing that we can take what we love to do whether it's baking sewing painting whatever lights you up then we can take that skill and make a great income doing exactly what we love to do as author of what should I be when I grow up now that I'm 40 50 60 discovering your core and also your gift is your niche it has been my life's work to help others just like you and me To discover passions, your purpose, powerful messages that you only you have so they can make the difference they were put here to make. Every week I will have deep, rich conversations with real life people that believe just like me. And here's what they believe. When you do what you love in a career, you will never work another day in your life. And this is the way I like to say it. When passion, purpose, and profit collide, that is when you get paid for being you. I'm Patricia Noldrain. Welcome to the podcast, When Passion Meets Profit. Hello, everybody. I am so excited that you're here for this particular episode because we really want to talk today about how to remain relevant at any stage, at any age in business and in life, actually. And there couldn't be a better person talking about that than Susan Asher. You'll hear from her in just a moment. Before I introduce Susan, though, I really did want to tell a person her name is Maribel, and she wrote in from Canada. And she said, Patricia, I want to make a difference. I have a powerful message to share. But if I'm being really honest with you, I'm completely broke. I have no money to spend on this message. What would you tell me to do? And my message back to you, Maribel, is you have to start really thinking about pricing, about uh, platform. And certainly there's all kinds of free platforms out there. And putting as little into whatever your message is to make money with what you already know. I love this one part. Uh, It was so fun when I heard this by Michael Beckwith. He said, you can't make a light, or no, he said, you can't be a light in the world if you can't pay your light bill. Isn't that good? I mean, it was so good to me and so profound because I deal, Maribel, with people constantly that are saying the same thing. I feel guilty about charging for what I do. It's my natural habitat. I'm like, oh, good Lord you probably or they probably never had to buy bread or milk at the store because I notice the people that don't really have to make the money like you do, Maribel. They simply don't care. I mean, it doesn't matter to them if they sell or they don't sell. Well, with you, you have to learn how to monetize your powerful message. If you want to talk further, we certainly can. But my advice is to get started today with a free platform for your message and put a price to it. And then you have to get it out to the world. You can have the best message. And if nobody knows about it, there's, they can't buy it. Okay, back to our podcast about relevance. One of the things that happened when I met Susan Asher many years ago is we became friends and we became colleagues. And it's so fun to meet somebody like that. And all these years later, being completely opposites of the country, we still talk to each other all the time and update each other. And I know you're going to be so excited to hear from her as I am. See, I've never asked her these questions before. So my first question for you, Susan Asher, before you tell the world about who you are, I'd like to know where you were born and raised and what you were like as a little girl. Well, first of all, Patricia,
1: I want to thank you for having me on your podcast. It's an honor. And uh, you know that You have done tremendous work to help me get where I am, and I'm very grateful. And uh, you're really, you're my lifelong mentor after having been my coach and bringing me to where I am today. In answer to your question, I grew up in Livingston, New Jersey. I was the first born, my parents uh, came from Germany. My first language was German. So I went to kindergarten speaking German. And even though my parents were bilingual, the kindergarten teacher was appalled because she said to my mother gretchen just the name enough you'll know that my mother was german she said gretchen susan doesn't speak any english and my mother said i know but she'll she'll learn very quickly and within 4 to 6 weeks she told me i was speaking english and i don't know what impact that had on my life except to say that i just was resilient. I'm just a resilient person. I just nothing stands in the way. Nothing. I, I don't look at anything. Of course, I I I have to overcome odds. But the the greater the odds, the more I say to myself, "Gosh darn it, I'm going to do it." So I hope that answers your question.
0: Well, it, you know what. When- I think about when I hear that about you being a little girl, I did not know you spoke only German when you went to kindergarten. Do you speak today? Do you speak German? I do, but I
1: can't. I mean, first of all, I understand everything, but when you don't speak a language consistently, you do lose it. So I I understand everything. I can say phrases and so forth, but uh, I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but I will say this. If and when, and should be when I go back to my fatherland, I will definitely take one of those courses and I'm sure it'll be a snap because it'll just
0: all come back to me. Yeah. Do do you think this is good? Sprechen die Deutsch? Was that good? (laughs) (laughs) Well, was it? And if I say, (laughs) yeah. I didn't even know if it was German, to be honest. Okay. it It is German. Yeah. I love that about you as a little girl because don't you think as an adult, that one quality just keeps coming through that quality called resilience. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. I mean, I
1: just, and again, the, you know, the, the bigger the challenge, the more I'm up for it. And I'm not going to go into Uh it because you and I spoke before we got on here, but I'm going through something right now, which is, has a very steep, steep, steep learning curve in terms of technology. And while I sometimes feel like crying and tearing my hair out, all I do is look at all the other people that have done it and say, well, if they can do it, I guess I can do it, too. I don't put anything yeah. past myself. So, uh, you know, I I just thrive on challenge. Let's put it. That. And you know that from working with me, because when I came mm-hmm. to you, I mm-hmm. had just sold my business and I just didn't I had no clue what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh And I think one of the reasons I'm here today with you is because you know that I got out of the recruiting business because I had completely lost my passion. And Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. so passionate about that business for so many years. I mean, I loved it. I ate it. I breathed it. I slept it. I did everything with it. And one day when it started to become a commodity, I said, "Mm, not for me anymore. And I found a different Mm -hmm. direction. You helped me do that. So I want to thank you for that, too.
0: Yeah, well, Susan, I felt that same way about uh, different phases of career, and I've noticed with the people I'm interviewing, they're the same. When you lose your love and your passion for something, let it go. And we, we, we don't want to, do we? We want to hang on to it. Oh my gosh, this is a money maker. this mm-hmm. is this is my livelihood. Let it go because it's not fun anymore. Is is that truly Mm -hmm. how you felt at the end of recruiting?
1: Yeah, and I remember being very scared because I remember at the time saying, "Yeah, you think at that time, oh my gosh, this is like the end of the world." I I absolutely had no idea what I would end up doing, and you know, through your tutelage, I you know not only became an executive and a career coach, but with you and during our time together, I wrote my first book, and Mm -hmm. I mean. But again, so so one thing I do want to say to some of your listeners is sometimes when you don't have the clarity yourself, you need to figure out how to invest in yourself. Maybe it's a person like you were to me, or like I am to my clients. But sometimes when you're stuck, you have to figure out a different way, and we need other people's help. and if you're if you're starting a business or you're in a business or, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, if you can't figure it out, then you've gotta, you've got to bring someone else in and help you figure it out and, and, and mm-hmm. turn things around. Uh, I know I with agree. you that that passion that I had and uh, incredible for recruiting. and you know the awards that I won and all these other wonderful things. Mm-hmm. But one day I just woke up and I was passionless about the business. Mm-hmm. And then I went on this journey with you and, you know, we had the big aha one day. I remember he said, well, you've been a coach your whole life. (laughs) And then I said, that's right. (laughs) And then I said to you, I remember saying to you, well, how am I going to get certified? And you said to me, look at your look at your W2s. That's your sort look at your awards. That's your certification. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm what's funny, Patricia. No one has ever asked me whether I'm I'm certified. Not one client ever in, in these last 12 years.
0: Me either. And you know, the funny thing about that, I started certifying coaches and I really got kind of sad about it. I didn't want to do it anymore because these people needed the confidence to step out there. And if they thought they had a certification, then they felt they were more confident. And I didn't like that. I thought, no, no, you don't. I had a psychologist. No, she's a psychiatrist on the East coast. And she called and said, can I take your certification? And I said, now, wait a minute, aren't you a psychiatrist? And she said, yeah, but I need to be certified as a coach. No, you don't. No, I don't like to undersell my programs, but I right. certainly want people to go into it with, with wide eyes instead of thinking that's going to give them confidence. I want to come back uh, to a minute where you mentioned about your book. Tell everybody what the name of your first book was, Susan. So the first book is Dude, Seriously, It's Not
1: All About You. And you know I, I realized now, Patricia, when I wrote it, you know, I was writing a lot about manners and protocol, but really that book is about emotional intelligence. When I am coaching leaders on emotional intelligence, I look at them and I go, you know what emotional intelligence used to be called? And they look at me and they say, what? And I say, manners. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's Mm -hmm. kind of what that, and, you know, there's so much going on in the field of coaching and executive coaching and leadership coaching around emotional intelligence, you know, having the heart to understand where people are coming from. And, you know, we talk so much in this society today about kindness. But, I mean, we talk about Mm -hmm. it, but can we please Mm -hmm. start acting like it? So that was the first Mm -hmm. book. And then the second book was uh, or is, I should say, dude, seriously, get your ask in gear. So (laughs) I love it. So to to today's point on the on the podcast is what do we need to ask ourselves to stay relevant as parents and leaders, teachers, anybody who is in a role that guides people? What do we need to ask ourselves to stay relevant? And, you know, it's getting tougher and tougher between the technology and the the way the world is moving and all the different platforms but it's not only about it's not only about technology in terms of staying relevant because every generation thinks that the generation before them doesn't know anything and the ones mm-hmm. after coming after them also don't know anything and so it's we've mm-hmm. got to find that mm-hmm. balance and find the good things in in one another and sort of find out how we can become reverse mentors and really lift each other up in all the different facets of our lives from leadership to to EQ to to just everyday life.
0: I agree. And Susan, I want to stop right here. I usually don't. I'll say something at the end also about getting in touch with you. But how would I buy your books? I have your books and I think I just love your books. I love the cover. I love the titles, love the interior uh, where would somebody get those?
1: They can find them on amazon.com. Very simple. Just on okay. the
0: bookseller list. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to repeat the books. Dude, seriously, it's not all about you. And then dude, seriously, get your ask together. Ask in gear. Yeah. Ask in gear. Get yep. your asking gear. I love don't you love those titles people. <laughs> you know, I wanted to go back to kindness because I've never heard a word used as often. Well, maybe maybe unity, maybe togetherness, maybe support, but but kindness has really become the word of the year. So I took that on as my my uh, word this year. <laughs> and I have to tell you right after I said kindness is my word, I watched the inauguration and I decided to tell Lady Gaga that she shouldn't have dressed like that. <laughs> Now, can you imagine me telling Lady Gaga that she should not have dressed like that at the inauguration? Yeah. And I thought, then I immediately got kind again, though, and said, but her voice was the most spectacular voice ever. She's the one that should have been singing that song. So I went back to kindness. But I'll tell you, it's not easy to stay on track. When no. you start talking about, okay, people, let's let's not have any, we're all going to be together in this world and we're going to love each other kumbaya. It doesn't work that way, <laughs> but, but the more we do it, the better. So, okay, Susan, here's here's the thing I'd love to have you share with everybody. And that is your career journey, because we all have to start somewhere. And then really, I loved what you were saying, because I can't tell you how many listeners feel exactly as you. They lose their love for what it is they're doing and they don't know what to do. But let's go all the way back and tell, tell us about your career journey.
1: Right. I, so, and I want to say when they lose their love, the, what what it is is that they're scared. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, and it's in, uh, it's in my book. And that is that, you know, fear either holds you back or it propels you forward and It's always propelled me forward in my case. And I hope that for your listeners too. But dude, seriously, it is all about me right now. So let me tell you a little bit about (laughs) a little bit about me. Um, Seriously. So I as I said, I I, and I grew up in a in a um, in a in a beautiful town, very wealthy town. We were not wealthy. Uh obviously my father worked very hard to get where he finally got. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. I was just thinking of my mother yesterday. She loved. She was such a lover. I mean, she lo- there was nothing that she loved more than her husband and her three kids. I mean, she just would do anything for us. And and that came that that's a large part of who I am. And my father, on the other hand, was a Till of the Hun, and he wanted things done. And you know, mm-hmm. nothing was ever good enough. And so I have that side of me too very ambitious and you know, always striving for excellence. Not so much perfection, but excellence. Anyway, so I grew up in Livingston and from there I my father thought I should become a teacher. And this was the last thing I ever wanted to become. And so I fought that, I fought him a lot my whole life, but I fought that tooth and nail until I was accepted uh, to as in the first class of women at Lehigh University in the business college. And there were a hundred of us, and there were four thousand guys on campus. And I have oh, to tell wow. you, Patricia, you know, and I, and that's what I feel a little bit sorry for the kids today because the biggest thing I got besides a wonderful training in business, and and so many years ago, it was really it was really something to be the first woman in a class of really mostly men. And what Mm -hmm. I got from that was a social experience bar none. I have never been afraid of men. I have never been afraid of speaking up when it comes to being with men. I have never been afraid of leading men. I have tons of men uh, clients that I coach, even more than I coach women. Why? Because men are willing to invest in themselves. And I'm going to say that theme over and over again. Um, so I graduated from Lehigh and then I have many firsts. So, you know, I, I, after the first class of women, I was the first recruiter in an all-male firm. And if that wasn't another social experience, I mean, I can't tell you what was.
0: I'm really loving this conversation, aren't you? But I want to talk to those of you who want to go deeper. We all attended school at some time. Maybe you're attending school right now. But inside those schools are teachers that have the responsibility to teach certain courses, but what they don't teach is really the most important thing in life, self-discovery. You know the self-discovery that would help us know what we are supposed to do in a career, and also that self-discovery on how we're supposed to make an income to really take care of our families. Well, I decided a long time ago, it's time for me to share what I know so I can help somebody with a step-by-step process that anybody can follow. I created a digital downloadable course called Your Gift Is Your Niche because people were asking me all the time, Patricia, what's my niche? And I'd always say, your gift is your niche. So now I created a course called yourgiftisyourniche.com and I spell niche with an N-I-C-H-E And in this very affordable, life-changing course, I walk you through very simple exercises. They'll not only help you find your unique gifts, but they'll also show you how to monetize your talents and skills. You know, the ones you came into this world with. I'm so glad I created something that I don't don't think, I know it's going to be able to help you in your self-discovery journey because it's a simple six-hour course with action sheets that support everything that I'm saying in the course. And you also get my wonderful book, What Should I Be When I Grow Up? Now that I'm 40, 50, 60. That's going to help you also with different exercises in that book. I'm also glad I made it into what I call an SPL course. That's a self-paced learning because we all learn in different ways and at different times. I cannot wait for you to get to know the most important person in your life, that's you so go to your giftisyourniche.com N-I-C-H-E, and if this page speaks to you then seriously invest in you it's time to claim your destiny now let's get back to the conversation
1: and i remember finding out that i was in the finance group and in the it group there was another uh, young man who was married and had just they had just had a baby And we were making $150 a week draw versus commission. And I found out that he was making $175 a week. So he's making $25 a week more than me. And that was a lot of money. I mean, do the percentages, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He was making, uh, I would say, 20% more than me. So I actually took it upon myself and I called a meeting with the president of the company. And you know what he said to me, Patricia? He said, Well, Tom has a wife and a baby. Now, I was married at the time. I had a husband. But Tom has a wife and a baby, and that's why he's making more than you. Mm -hmm. And I said, excuse me? First of all, I'm producing. I've I've made placements, number one. And number two, we're doing the same job. Long story short, I got my raise. What a lesson (laughs) was that for a 22- or 23-year-old. At that Mm -hmm. time for me to go in and have the courage, there's another word I'd like to use, but the courage to go into the president at that stage in my life, at that age in my life and speak up for myself. And but again, because I was fearless, I never was intimidated. You know, when I look at a lot of these these women's groups today. Um, I feel a lot of them are like blub, you know, blubfests, fests, you know, crying and hey, we don't have this and we can't do that. No, just do it. Just be the best at mm-hmm. what you do. And that's what I ended up being. And after five years of being promised a promotion, a promotion, a promotion, which never came, I left and started my own company with two partners. And that was a wonderful ride until everything crashed in the late eighties. And again, I had to reinvent myself because companies were no longer hiring full timers. They were really looking to hire contract workers or freelancers. And I was lucky enough because I was always out there and meeting with people. I found a consultant. I hired her. She helped me start my interim executive business. And it was nobody knew about it. I mean, they had hired hired temporary admins and temporary warehouse workers, but nobody had ever hired a temporary accountant, except maybe through an accounting firm. So I started that business and that's the business that really, you know, put my name on the map. And it was, I mean, really some of the best times of my life. I, you know, and today still, but I, at that time it was very busy, excuse me, with so many different uh, stations interviewing me because it was such a, it was such a novel thing to think that you could hire an executive temp. But the reason was because companies had, massive massive layoffs and as we know today they've never really gone back to a hiring spree Mm -hmm. and we know that when a company doesn't have the resources they go out and they hire a consultant or a temp or a 1099 or whatever it might be knowing that if they don't have a need for that person anymore it's not going to be painful for them to let them go and pay unemployment and do all that so so that's that and during this time my um I went through a very scary divorce and came through that. And during that time, uh, a child that I had placed for adoption came back and found me. And it was probably the most wonderful experience. Very scary because what would people say? What would people do? You know, I'm all over the papers and the television and everything. And guess what? And I'll never forget someone saying this to me. Patricia, and it's a Dr. Zeusism. Those that mind don't matter, and those that matter don't mind. And I never look mm. back, and it's just part. So, you know, people look at me, and just today someone said to me, Wow, and you're so this, and you're so that. And it's like, it's like looking at Bruce Springsteen. It's kind of a bad person b- being what he just did. But anyway, looking at a rock star, looking at anybody and saying, Oh, they're so successful, and they're so famous, and they're so this, and they're so. But you know what they didn't wake up that way they went through a lot of things to get where they are to have the compassion and the empathy and to become successful and so that's my story and then i didn't know where i was going because i had lost the passion for the business as i said earlier it became highly commoditized everything was an rfp everything was a nickel and i was like i'm done with this it's enough and again, I went out, where would I go? What could I do? Who could I meet? What can I learn? Where can I go? What can I start? And I ended up getting an email from you. I don't think you might even remember this, but you're black, you know, your email to your, to your group. And it Mm -hmm. said, tell me why you should come to my event. Uh, why I should give you a free ticket to come to my event. And I had just started writing a book and I remember, and I was, reinventing myself again. And I remember writing to you and you're like, okay, come on out. And I went out to Scottsdale, Arizona, where I met you. And I mean, I'll have to be honest, you were the big draw, but kind of a similar draw was all the great golf out there. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I met (laughs) you and I remember you speaking. And I just remember crying and saying, Oh, my God, this person just spoke to me. And I remember sitting with you afterwards and, you know, going over where I was and what I was doing. And then I remember working with you for a year. After six months, I think you said to me, I think you're good now. And I go, "Mm -mm, nope, nope, not good. Not good. Going (laughs) on, moving on. (laughs) And, And so that's, and then one more thing to the story, if I have another minute, is I remember Uh, going out on a call, introducing actually a friend of mine to a big healthcare, big hospital system, the biggest in, in New Jersey. And I remember introducing her and not, I had my old business card, HR contract professionals. I didn't even have my new setup. I didn't have a web. I had nothing. I had nothing except my idea. And I pitched it to the CEO. We were lucky enough to get a meeting with him and probably a couple of weeks later, and I remember being in the car, we were going, we were on our way to Colorado, and I remember them sending me, this is how long ago it was, on on my BlackBerry, I was looking at the email saying, we have 400 people that we need to coach over the next two years, Uh, we want to do it around your book, and I remember giving them a price, and she was like, wow, that's a little high, I remember calling you and saying, hey, what do I do now? <laughs> you you helped me through that. And that was my first gig. And to any of you who want to really understand what the imposter syndrome is, I am the queen of that. Okay. So if you have any questions about that, you should definitely get in touch with me after this. I had no clue what I was going to do, where I was going to start, how I was going to write a program. And I ended up doing it and I did it for two years and their scores, you know, their uh, Prescani scores, which have to do with the hospitality and the welcomeness that you find in a hospital, they went up by thirty five percent. That's my story. I'm now mm. in the throes of um, starting something else again, which is I'm writing a webinar to help people with their careers. And I mean, it's always something. And so when I hear, I'll close with this, when I hear people say to people to baby boomers, when are you going to retire? I can only think of who I I think I think it was I think it was Gloria Steinem or Martha Stewart one of them said retire from what and so mm-hmm. and that's I think the most important thing to staying relevant just keep pushing forward just keep learning don't say oh I can't learn that or I can't do that or I'll never have a cell phone I'll never have a computer how many people do we know that said that Patricia and boy, yes. if they didn't get left in the dust. So, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely, you know,
1: that's that's kind of
0: there's a whole lot more. And I think I made it kind of long, but that's my story. And I'm sticking yeah, to it. That, it was a beautiful story. And I loved how you told it. And I, I go back to your dad, who was only doing the very best he could for his daughter. And that was saying, mm-hmm. become a teacher, because then you get mm-hmm. summers off and you're going to be under contract. And right, that was right. called Stability. Right. And right. there are so many people that stepped into that role of a teacher or a nurse at that time, and they're miserable right. in there. They don't want to be doing that. So I'm so proud of you, Susan, that you went into a place with 4,000 other people, men, and and went to, into business because you're so business minded and then mm-hmm. created your own business itself. I, I just love it. And do you notice, I just want everybody to notice how different all of our stories are. When I say to people you're a unique individual, they always say to me, "No, I'm not. I'm not that unique." Mary Sue's like me. No, Mary Sue doesn't have the same story you have. Nobody mm-hmm. has lived the story that Susan Asher has lived, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm just so proud of that. You know, I listened to, going back to your thing about Gloria Steinem. I I heard something with Kathy Lee Gifford the other day, and she says she's constantly being asked, "When are you going away? Like, when are you retiring?" Yeah, and she said, "As long as I have a pulse." I have a purpose mm-hmm. and that's become my new mantra because people ask me that all the time and it retire from what your life, who you are. Right. I mean, right. who you've always been, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I love all the things that you've said. And I think you're going to be quite surprised at the golden nuggets I got out of this. But before we go on to the golden nuggets, Susan, what tangible tool have you used yourself that really has helped you grow your business or, or even your life? You know, it's so funny that you say
1: a tangible tool. And I was thinking about this. And then I was thinking, I'm always a maverick and I never follow the rules. So I'm not following your rules for the answer to this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, And I really mean this. And this is something that is so incredible to me that so few people are like this. Here's what I have done. Well, first of all, you know, I'm the queen of follow-up, but a couple of things. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Words are important. If you tell someone, and this is uh, back in the day before we, I hate to date myself, but before we had um, you know computers and email and things like that, we had to snail mail resumes. And I remember getting a candidate who was like on fire. And it must have been a Wednesday or Thursday. And I called up uh, this big fortune 500 company that was a client of mine. said, listen, I I can't, I'm going to send the resume, but if it, if it doesn't get there, I mean, can he just deliver it? I'm going to tell you, he's, he's working at Pricewaterhouse. He's a CPA. He's an blah, 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 whatever I said. And I said, and if he walks through the door and you don't like him, then don't ever call me again. And my point Hmm. is that That is how I build trust with people. If I say I'm going to call you two o'clock tomorrow, I'm going to call you at two o'clock tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If I say Mm -hmm. I'm going to send you my book, I'm going to send you my book, whatever that may be. So that really isn't a tool per se, like the internet or a telephone or, or, or a computer. But and I think sometimes we, we get sidetracked with all these you know things that we have, that we can use, that we can do, websites, this, that, and the other thing. It's really still about our character and how we treat people. And so say what you mean and mean what you say. And it's the same thing for all of you who go to networking events. Oh, yeah, we must have lunch. I'll call you. I'll call you. I'll... Nobody mm-hmm. ever follows up. And I shouldn't say nobody. Very few people ever follow up. So if you are that person that says, all right, Patricia, you know, I really would like to have lunch or coffee with you. I'll call you and you don't do it. Well, Mm
0: -hmm. that's,
1: you know, so people know if I tell them I'm going to do something or I'm going to produce something or I'm going to show up somewhere, I'm going to do it. And that would be my, my only other thing is, you know, these tenets of executive presence that, that I really live my life around, which is dress up, show up, Follow up, listen up, lighten up, stand up, and speak up. Okay, the seven ups. And if you do all those things, you will find yourself to be very, very successful.
0: Dress up, show up, follow up. What? Uh, Keep going. Lighten up, listen up,
1: stand up, and speak up. I, sometimes, that really, I can remember them without opening the book.
0: Yeah, that's that's really, those are wonderful. What a wonderful way to end with that note, which I will repeat. Well, at the end of each podcast, Susan, I know you don't know this, but I do, I do what I call golden nuggets that I picked out of the speaker, which is mm-hmm. you today. Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking for three to five. And today we came out with 12. So <laughs> that's how smart you are. Yep. You can't help being smart. So here's number one. Resiliency is a gift. That really is a gift, Susan, that you have, that you were given at birth. Because even though I, I've i said to people, we have to be resilient, it doesn't matter. If you aren't that person, It's you don't even know what it means to be resilient. Number two, the bigger the challenge, bring it on. Just take that on as a motto, possibly. That's what Susan said at the, at the very beginning. The bigger the challenge, just bring it on. Number three, thrive on challenges. Instead of really making them real painful points, just start trying to thrive on your challenges like Susan. Number four, let go when you lose your passion. That was probably one of the best things that you said today because it it takes a long time for me to let go. Number five, you need to invest in yourself when you're stuck. And it doesn't mean that you have to pay thousands of dollars to get a mentor. Sometimes it just means get start listening to podcasts. Start reading the right books, the right newspapers. And they can be your teacher until you have the money to invest. Number six, fear holds you back. It can hold you back or propel you forward. That's your decision. And Susan decided it's going to propel her forward every time she feels the fear. Number seven, are you liking these, Susan? Yeah. <laughs> I I I sound like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) You are really brilliant. That's what I wanted to say. Number seven, always strive for excellence. Now, notice Susan didn't say I always strive for perfection because perfection will hold us back. But she does strive for excellence. Number eight, stand up for yourself and speak out when when you need to. That was a wonderful story that you said about. Now, wait a minute. I don't get why Tom gets 175 and I get 150. It would... That's not as courageous as most young people would be. So I I just applaud you for that. Number nine, these that mind don't matter. Those that matter don't mind. I'm going to repeat it because I said it wrong. Those that mind don't matter. Those that matter don't mind. Beautiful, Susan. I love that part of your story. Number 10, Listen for clues, so you choose the right people to help you. You really have to know that the person is speaking to you and has your best, your best point in mind. And number eleven, say what you mean, and mean what you say. See, you're just a, you have so many wonderful things. And number twelve, and last but not least, I love this one: dress up, show up, follow up, listen up, lighten up, hmm. speak up. Did I say them all? No.
1: <laughs> all right. Dress up, show up, mm-hmm. follow up,
0: listen up, lighten mm-hmm. up, stand up, speak up, stand up. Yeah. You stand, up, stand up, speak up. Love that. Now, where did you get those? Did you make those up? Is that a book that you've done or something? No, you know, I don't. I think I did make them
1: up. It's in the book. Wow. It's in the book. I did make that up. Yeah. Called The Seven Ups. And, oh, I love that, Susan. Well, and I call it the Seven Ups of Executive Presence, because that and you know, very important, especially in the world today. Especially in the, we gotta lighten up, and we also at this time, you know, you mentioned to me before we got started, Patricia, you took this time to you know write a book, a couple of books, just you know restart your podcast and really stay focused on it, and. We have to, you know, it's like Coca-Cola's tagline was, I don't know if it still is, but years ago it was, it's the pause that refreshes. And so taking this time and and allowing ourselves to take this time to, you know, recreate ourselves, to, to re-engineer ourselves, you know, to 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 whatever we have to do to to make some changes in ourselves. It's kind of the the pause. It is the pause that gives us the time to reflect and maybe take a different direction or, or maybe raise the bar in what we're doing. But, you know, and I think, I always think there's a reason for things happening. I think the world was spinning out of control with, you know, stuff, you know, people just, now there's a lot of, there's a lot of good that we can say about what's been going on. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of awful stuff for sure. But if if you and I are here and your listeners are listening and they're here, Take this time to, to have the courage to, you know, to do something that is really, really different. Take this time because you may not you may not have this, this length of time. It, hopefully, you know, hopefully we won't, you know, hopefully it won't come in this fashion that it's come with illness and disease. But, you know, there's always a silver lining in the cloud. You know me, I'm the eternal optimist. Um, so there's always that lining and we have to just capture and seize it when we can.
0: Susan, tell
1: everybody how they can get in touch with you. Well, I love giving them my phone number. And, you know, people do do call me, you know, people do call me. Okay. Well, first of all, if they're annoying, I can always block them, right? But so (laughs) none none of your listeners are going to be annoying. If they call me, it's because they need me. So my phone number is 973-919-8180. And my website is SusanAsher.com. And that is S-U-S-A-N-A-S-C for Cat, H for Harry, E-R.com. And my email is Susan at SusanAsher.com. And I, you know, would welcome any comments. And I also want to say, you know, so much. Thank you, Patricia, for having me on your podcast today. We've come a -A 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 long way, baby. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, we've come a long way. And I thought you were brilliant today. I really enjoyed everything that fell out of your mouth. I especially loved your 7-Up. I think you should write a book just about that, Susan. Yeah. Pull that out of your other book and write that book for people because it's it's so, I just love those 7-Ups. Well, thank you. And then here's my last thing for you, Susan Asher. I'm calling 973-919-8180. And if you block me, we are going <laughs> to have a problem. <laughs>
1: No, that <laughs> oh, by the way, you know, um Rachel gave me your uh your cell phone and and to you out there, you know, Patricia, that is like that is like that is like a ten carat diamond. She doesn't give that to anybody. So
0: aha ha, I have it now. <laughs> <laughs> I can block you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. anyway, everybody, thank you, Susan Asher. You were just a pleasure. I know the audience just loved every moment of this, as I did. And then so until we meet again, everybody, it's Patricia Noldrein. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me today. Hey, if you got something out of this, maybe you'd consider sharing it with someone else that you care about. I want to leave you with a secret to success and life and business aha here it is if you can't share a solution to a problem someone is having that is true success now maybe these examples might help you i discovered two major problems that i help solve i really didn't realize how major they were until i realized no one is teaching this stuff the first one of course goes right back to this podcast what's my calling What's my purpose? And that's why I created the digital downloadable course, YourGiftIsYourNiche.com. I already mentioned it earlier in the episode. But finally, I came up with another problem that I can solve, and it's how to live a happy, long-lived, lasting marriage. Now, I created a book called The Chosen Few, and I share 100 tips that myself and others, other long-lived couples, I might say, put together so that you can have a conversation, especially if you're a committed couple. Now, what is the problem you solve? Think about it, because you might really have something to share with somebody that will change their life forever. We also have a Facebook group. It's free. I'd like you to come on to it because it goes beyond the podcast. It's called When Passion Meets Profit. Until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain.